Hello, uh, welcome to another episode of the Game Creativity Podcast. My name is Seth Chapman, and today I'm planning on talking about indie games, um, particularly ones that I've kind of played over the years and ones that I think are pretty interesting. Before we kind of jump into the actual games, I feel like it was important to note uh, that I play a lot of my games on uh, Steam, so on a uh, PC, um, and Steam is the main website in which you acquire those games, and they have a pretty cool uh, program that they do. Uh, they just call it Early Access, and basically what that means is that companies can put their game on Steam early uh, before it's basically the full version of what they want released, and people can buy that, and then it basically kind of builds up like a following for them so they kind of have a fan base they can get feedback from actual players and I think it's a really cool program um, a lot of the games that I'll be talking about today I actually bought on through early access uh, which you know for me ended up being a really good thing and I think in general it's a good thing for a lot of people because usually the games are slightly discounted so if Maybe if it didn't end up working out, you at least wouldn't have paid full price for it. Um, and they offer a lot of cool deals and stuff, some of which I'll talk about later. The first game that I wanted to talk about is a game called Hades, which is produced by a company called Supergiant, who has, they have a lot of other uh, small indie games, but Hades is kind of one that I played quite a bit and would like to focus on. Um, so. Basically, to just give you some, some background on the game, like what the actual story is, you play as a character named Zagreus, and he is basically Hades' son. So, like the, I guess, the god of the underworld from Greek mythology. He plays as his basically illegitimate son. And so, the, the story is you kind of trying to break out of the underworld. Um, through various different means and going through different ways and things like that. And so this game is a, it's a roguelike, which a roguelike game basically just means that you're expected to die a lot. So your run is only about 30 minutes and then you kind of restart. And so as you progress in most roguelikes, you unlock some permanent features. And then there's usually a lot of like short-term unlockables that you use as you go throughout an individual run, just like a 30 minute run. Um, and so kind of the point is you get a little further each time, you learn a little bit more, you unlock a little bit more permanent, uh, like upgrades or items and things like that. And then you can proceed to basically do better on those runs. So this game has that type of progression. Um, but another interesting point about it is that even though it's a roguelike, you pretty slowly unlock like new elements of the story or new upgrades, but it's not so slowly that it basically keeps you disinterested. Or how about this? It's fast enough that it does keep you interested, so you don't get bored too easily. Um, basically, I felt like for the first probably 50 runs that I did, I was unlocking something new or finding something new every single time, um, which is pretty cool. I, I personally really like that. I just, like, I like uh, games with lots of upgrades and, like, lots of mystery and stuff. And so 
you're kind of unlocking it by yourself. The game doesn't really hold your hand. Like, there's not even really a tutorial for the game. You just kind of go in and you go do your first run. And I died, like, almost instantly on the first one. Um, because you don't really know what you're doing. And that's kind of the point, is for you to, to figure it out as you go. Which I also think is kind of cool. Just to jump in and kind of learn yourself. As opposed to having it start out really easy and then, you know, it basically holds your hand through the first few minutes or whatever. Um, I think it's a lot cooler that it just kind of throws you in there. Uh, another really cool thing that the the company uh, Supergiant does in general, they're, they're kind of known for this, but they do like their own soundtracks and their own art and then their own like voice acting. And this game had like probably... I would say at least 40 or 50 different like unique voices, which is, you know, I mean, that's, a, that's still a lot to do for a company that doesn't have that many employees. They're, they're relatively small. Um, and they do most of their art in-house as well. They have a, I think they have a, one or two people that do a majority of the art, and then they outsource a little bit of it. But I, uh, I thought that was kind of important to note because some of the music, like because it's an original soundtrack, like, some of it just flows really well with the game, um, which is usually a pretty enjoyable experience, for me, at least. Um, and the art styles are also really cool. It's kind of a, it's a hack-and-slash game, so basically you're just, you have, a, like, a, a decent amount of melee weapons, and then I think there's a bow that you can use, but it's mostly melee weapons, and you're just fighting, like, hordes of enemies. And the art, like, while you're going through that and the animations just looks really good. And, like, it, it just looks really nice. The controls are super smooth. Um, and then they've won a ton of different, like, awards for this game. Um, and they've also gotten super, like, super high reviews in general. So this ended up being, like, a really successful game. <clears throat> um, the second game that I wanted to talk about is a game called Valheim, which I don't have quite as much time in as I did in Hades, but um, it's another interesting game, and that this was the first game that the company that produced it, uh, this was the first game that they had made. So this was definitely them kind of trying to feel out the waters, and basically uh, what they had made was a game that's very similar to Minecraft, um, which is, so you basically, you start out with pretty much nothing, and then you go and you basically, like, punch some trees or something, get some wood, and then from wood, you, with wood, you can build wooden tools, and then with wooden tools, you can get stone, and then with stone, you can get, like, iron, things like that, and then you just kind of go up the line from there until you get some pretty powerful stuff. That's kind of the plot of Minecraft. There's a couple other story elements to Minecraft as well. But in this one, um, basically what you do is you go through a series of boss fights. So you, you fight some mobs, and mobs are just like small enemies that are in the game. And every once in a while, they'll drop this thing called a trophy for like that specific type of enemy. And then you'll go to this place and basically put the trophy on there and then fight a boss and then you'll unlock like the next progression. So like you start off with wooden stuff 
and then I think you get stone, and then you fight the first boss. And then after that, you get like a little bit better, I think it's like copper or bronze, and then after that, you fight the next boss. And then from there, you get like iron, maybe, up to steel, fight another boss. And that's kind of the progression of the... So it's, it doesn't have like a super in-depth story, um, but it's just kind of like a free a free realm, kind of do what you want, build whatever you want. It's got kind of a heavy Viking theme to it, which is kind of cool, I think, personally. Um, and then another element that I thought was pretty cool about this game is that a lot of the map is procedurally generated. So it the map is like absolutely huge. It would take forever to try to explore all of it. Just because it's basically procedurally generated means that there's a program or like the, the computer program is actually just like basically modularly building the game world. So it just uses an algorithm to say, okay, in this area, we're just going to put these types of trees and these types of rocks. In this area, we're going to put a lake. And it just kind of, it keeps on going, keeps on expanding. Um, which can make the maps pretty big, although there's not a whole lot of uniqueness at that point. Um, like, you can you could probably find a lot of similar areas. They won't be exactly the same, but there won't be a whole lot of variation in them. Um, but I still think it's a cool concept because when I play video games, I definitely like to explore and uh, run around. And I think it's cool that you have the ability to kind of go wherever you want. And there's a whole ton of exploration elements in it. Um, this game ended up being really successful. Kind of as I said, this was this company's first game. Their website is basically just one page, which is kind of interesting. Um, I think the company name is Iron Gate. And they have literally one page on their website. And this game ended up selling over, they made at least over 5 million uh, sales since February of this year. So basically in three, three or four months, um, their first game that they ever made, made 5 million sales, which is super impressive. And they were probably incredibly excited about, if I had to guess. Uh, the, the third game, this one's kind of probably the one that I've played by far the most. Um, and it's also probably my favorite. But this game is called Risk of Rain 2. Um, which is me and my buddies bought this game on day one of early access. So literally the first day that it came out, we got a deal because it was, it was a deal on the first day. If you bought four copies of the game, you would basically purchase the amount for three of them. So I think it was 20 bucks each. We ended up paying 60 bucks and got four games worth. Um, and then, you know, we kind of split it up amongst ourselves. It was kind of a weird deal. I've never really seen anything like it on Steam, um, but we definitely took advantage of it and saved a little bit of money. So we have been, we had been playing this game since, literally since it had released. Like we played through every update and then the game had finally released just a little while ago, which was kind of cool to see because I had never followed a game to that extent that I followed this one. You know, just from literally the very beginning 
playing through every single update as soon, like the day that an update came out. Me and all my friends were getting on to try to find all the new stuff and figure out what it was. Um, and to kind of go from that and the very bare bones of the game to kind of getting to play it in its full release was definitely like a super satisfying thing um, for me and my buddies, I would say. This game's another roguelike, so you basically do like a 30 to 45 minute run on average, um, depending on what difficulty you're playing, then, then this can certainly last uh, quite a bit longer. I know me and my buddies have played on the easiest difficulty before, and we've had runs that have taken like two to three hours, where it gets to the point where we're so overpowered uh, that we're basically never going to lose, and then it just gets to be to the point where it's not even fun, because you're just kind of eviscerating everything. Um, the reason that this kind of, that this can happen, like you can just keep on playing, because it's a it's an increasingly scaling difficulty level. So, um, you pretty much always start on easy when you first load into the game. And then it goes from easy to medium to hard to like insane to impossible to like the next difficulty rating is like you're still here or something like that. And then the last one is just called ha 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 ha, like just like HA laughing. And that just goes on forever and it just keeps going up and up. And basically the enemies just have infinitely scaling health. Like if you want to do like a five million hour run, you know, theoretically, um, the enemies would just keep gaining health and damage that entire time. Which I think is kind of cool. Um, it's a cool way to do it. And then the items that you get in-game can kind of do the same thing. So there's like, there's all kinds of fun stuff that you can do. Because it's, it's still like, it's not necessarily physics based. But like it's like a speed multiplier. So like you get a lot of movement speed items. Like let's say you got 50 movement speed items. You don't really break the game. But you can kind of do fun stuff where your character is almost to the point where they're pretty much teleporting around each map because your movement speed has scaled so high. And you can do the same kinds of things with all kinds of other stuff, like how much damage your character does, how fast your character can attack, um, how many how many jumps your character has. And so there's no there's no really limitations on any of those things. Um, so we also just have a ton of fun screwing around and trying to make the most ridiculous like item builds that we can. Um, you know, trying to make your guy run insanely fast or be able to jump like 50 times or attack like basically a Gatling gun, um, which is, we just, you know, we just have a good time doing it. It's funny. But this is definitely, it's definitely a super important part of the game um, and one that I think is, really interesting um that it definitely makes combat interesting and there's certain there's certain modes where enemies can get these items too and those can be definitely make it more difficult like when an enemy gets there's a there's like this one item for example that if the thing that you're attacking is above 90 percent health then you pretty much just do double damage until it goes down below 90% health. But a lot of the things that you're fighting usually have like way more health than you. Like if your character has 500 
some of the things that you're fighting have 5,000. So that is usually like a nice item just to get a little damage boost at the beginning, but it's not super important. But when an enemy gets that item and they do normally do 100 damage or 150, and now all of a sudden, because you are at full health, they're doing double to you. And then, you know, before you know it, basically half your health is gone. But even though that can sometimes be frustrating, I still think it's like kind of a pretty cool dynamic. Um, another element in this game that I, like me and my friends, absolutely loved is how much, basically, mystery things they put in the game. Like how many secrets there are to unlock. So just to start off, pretty much every game in existence has some form of like achievements or like special tasks that you can complete, which are... Obviously pretty fun, but not necessarily super secretive, since a lot of those achievements will tell you what they are or what you need to do to get them. Um, but this game has all kinds of stuff hidden, like hidden in the maps. They have like hidden logbooks where you just get like a little, a little blurb about like each environment or each enemy or each character that you can play or even the items that you can use. You can find all these, and then the maps themselves have like secret locations, secret interactions, um, and there's even like secret maps that you can go to. And there's just so much of this stuff. Like the most fun thing that we had was like we, the next the the newest update would come out, so we would all get on, and then we would look through the patch notes and see that oh they added. Like two, it just will read like two secret things. And it's like, okay, well, now we're going to play this game for the next two days and like just straight through until we figure out what the new secrets are. And we just had a ton of fun doing that because it's just, you know, trying to find new things and exploring and also just screwing around with my friends. Like, we just think it's hilarious. So, definitely. Me and my buddies have some good moments with this one. It's probably my personal favorite game I think that I've ever played. Um, kind of the final interesting thing about Risk Grand 2 is that seemingly, if there was a 2, there was a 1. So the first game, Risk of Rain, had a lot of similar elements, so it's still roguelike, still had like item scaling, but it was in 2D. Um, and this game is in 3D, which is not very common for games to to switch from you know from one to the other because even though risk of rain was 2d it's not like it was super old like back in like the 1980s or anything like that like old in terms of game this it was came out probably a few years before risk of rain 2 um but they ported all of those kind of 2d ideas into a 3d game which definitely made for some unique interactions and i know like because we were we were so into this game we were reading like all the developer blogs and like all their all their passion notes and updates and stuff and the developers kept talking about how um basically difficult it was to implement some of the ideas that they put into the first like into the 2d game and then trying to implement those into a 3d context when they had never really designed it to be that way um but I thought that was kind of a cool thing that's pretty unique that uh, not a lot of game, not a lot of games do switching from 2D to 3D, or I suppose vice versa. But um, the company that developed this game, just kind of on a side note, 
their their company name is Hobo Games, um, and just kind of an interesting little tidbit there. But the last game that I was planning on talking about is a game called Slay the Spire, um, which is quite a bit more unique than Hades or Valheim or Risk Arena 2 in the sense that it is a turn-based game, which I'm typically not a big fan of. But um, this one, for, for whatever reason, I do happen to be quite the fan of. Um, this was this game is developed by a company named Megacrit, um, and it's basically a turn-based combat game um, where you build. It's it's basically a turn-based game combined with a deck builder type game. So basically, each run that you do is fifty floors. So you're climbing. It's Slay the Spire. So you're basically climbing up this tower, this the spire, um, and trying to basically defeat all the enemies in it. So each individual location that you can go, there's a few different variations. Um, but let's just say you took basically a normal, just a regular fight. You'd go through the fight with your cards that you have, which are like attack cards so you can do damage, defense cards so you can basically produce like block, which defends from damage. And there's, there's a whole bunch of other types of cards too, but... Those are kind of the, the two main types for either killing enemies or making sure you don't get killed by enemies. And then once you defeat that enemy, you come out and you get a little bit of gold and you get another card. And then sometimes you can get like a potion or even a, like a relic is what they're called, which is basically like a, a permanent item for that run. And so as you basically progress. Um, you never really, this is a kind of unique one for a roguelike type, type game like this, where you basically are just going through one run and then after that you restart. Interestingly enough, you don't really ever get any upgrades to your character. You you definitely gain some knowledge, um, like what which cards are good. Um, so you can basically, which cards are good, which items are good what things work well together, and then you can pretty much produce some absolutely broken combinations of like cards and items that will just annihilate enemies, um, which are usually the most fun runs when you can kind of figure out a way to do so. But um, that being said, the instead of getting permanent upgrades for your guy, you basically produce these things called ascension levels. There's 20 of those. And so if you beat the first one, then you go up to ascension level two. And then you beat that one, you go up to three. And each one basically adds an extra layer of difficulty to enemies or to the game in general. So like some of them can just be enemies on average do more damage to you. Then some will be enemies on average can produce like more block, so your attacks potentially don't damage them as much. Some of them can be um, like randomized events that are in the game can, are more unfavorable to you. So maybe you have to take more damage to go through that unfavorable event, or you have to pay more gold at shops, and these kinds of things. So each each one up to twenty adds uh, additional level of difficulty. 
And so instead of it getting easier, it actually kind of gets harder, which is also kind of unique, but is pretty cool when you finally get that, like you finally beat after a ridiculous amount of runs, you finally beat that final level 20. And that is like one of the best feelings I think I've ever had in a video game. Cause it was like, man, like kind of a lot of hours like going into it. And then you kind of see the results of it. Like, you know, finally beating that last level of difficulty, which is pretty cool. Um, and then I just thought I'd talk real quickly about kind of the similarities in some of these games, because I don't know if uh, anybody noticed, but I did seem to use the word roguelike a lot, um, which does just seem to be a type of characteristic to a game that I happen to enjoy, um, since three of the four games that I talked about were like that. But um, that, and then the other thing that I like that a lot of these games kind of have is just like secrets or mystery. So you you actually feel like you're you're learning something or maybe not learning something, but like you kind of get rewarded for exploring, which is kind of important to me for rewarded for exploring or trying new, new things, um, which I think is a cool thing for anybody to put in a game. Um, and is kind of one of the reasons one of the reasons that I happen to really enjoy a lot of these. Um, but other than that, I don't think I have too much more to say on these, other than um, I would encourage you, if you haven't played any of these, to give all of them a try. Because none of them are too expensive, and they're all a ton of fun. So um, with that, I'd like to thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.